you enjoyed that choir special. I hope you'll return again this evening. Uh, we'll have our music fest here, and we'll have choirs from all over our association to help us uh, enjoy the evening. The meal is at 5 again, I just remind you, and I hope you'll come and be a part of that. Uh, and there won't be any preaching this evening, so you won't have to listen to a preacher. Some of you don't listen to a preacher anyway, so... Uh, Last night when I received this award, Stephen uh, told a bunch of stories about me, uh, most of which were true. Uh, he, he left out uh, one of the things that he left out. I've become known as a funeral preacher, uh, and partly because I've had a lot of practice. I've done over 500 funerals out of this church. Folks, it's hard to grow a church when you bury all the people. And so when I look out there, I don't just see your face, I see faces from the past. But uh, I was doing a funeral over at the funeral home a few years ago, and uh, the, they called me and they wanted a Baptist preacher. And I have to be honest with you, I don't like to do funerals for people that I don't know. Those are the hardest kind of funerals to do because I have to, you know, I have to get all my information from second, third-hand sources. And so I'd preach this funeral and all the people were going out of the funeral home and this one man was coming up through the crowd. We were loading the casket into the hearse out the side door and this man kept coming and he kept coming and he kept coming. Finally, I said, sir, can I help you? He said, would you preach my funeral? <laughs> and I said, are you about to die? And he said, no, but that man was a scallywag and if you can say something good about him, you can say something good about me. Stephen left out the part of the man being a scallywag last night. Jesus has had his Caesarea Philippi confession by Peter in the 16th chapter of the book of Matthew. Turn with me to the 17th chapter of the book of Matthew. This morning we want to look at a few moments that we have. We're going to read the passage in its entirety that I want to share with you, but I'm going to focus on one verse actually. Matthew 17, chapter, first eight verses. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified and afraid. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm just going to comment on the last couple of verses. Whenever we're afraid or whenever we're terrified of something happening and we find ourselves face down in prayer, always remember Jesus is there to touch us to say, get up and don't be afraid. That'll preach by itself. The verse I want to focus on is verse 5. If you'll look at this, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. That same word was repeated from a cloud or a dove descending when Jesus was baptized. But the listen to him wasn't. And that's what I want to focus on this morning is listen to him. Do you and I hear Jesus when he speaks? When his word is preached, 
And so you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And some of us, quite frankly, the minute I got up here, I'm going to tell you straight out, you tuned me out. I have to endure another sermon. And I've heard Brother Jerry before. And so those of you that have hearing aids, you just tuned me off. I mean, that's simple. You just turn down the volume. Those of you that don't have hearing aids, you're thinking about something else. You know, sometimes God speaks to us. Peter thought he was having this great spiritual experience and he wanted just to camp out there. Have you ever been on a retreat or been to summer camp and you, or been in a revival and you have this moment in your life when you feel like God spoke to you personally and you just kind of want to stay there and camp out? Well, that's the way Peter was. He's wanted, well, let me just build three shelters, Lord, and we'll just stay here and have a big old time. But the words you need to hear is, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now some of us hear, some of us have lost some of our hearing, and I'm not making fun of you. Some of you hear, but you don't hear. That's why your mother and your teacher and whoever is saying, listen to me. Are you listening to me? You know, at my house where I grew up, my grandmother would say, if you're not going to listen to me, I'm going to get a paddle and clean out your ears. Now, I know that's a threat, and she fulfilled it too, So, just so you know. And sometimes you teachers in school, you have students that do not listen. Am I correct in that? You students, and I have a bunch over here. Is there sometimes you go to that class that you just can't stand? Third period geometry, fifth period Spanish or whatever, and you just tune it out. I saw a little boy with a shirt this last week. I used this in children's sermon, early service. Had this shirt on that says, I tune you out. Well, iTunes is, of course, I guess that's something you can buy. I'm not, I don't have an iPhone, so I don't really know, and I've never bought any iTunes, but I understand you can purchase those online. Is that right? You can get them downloaded. Is that right, Seth? Is that the way it works? Sort of. Not? Okay, y'all tell me how it works, because I need to know, because I don't want to be foolish about this. To store online that you buy music from, right? Well, that's pretty close. I said it's something you can download that you pay for, right? Okay. Well, this little boy had, I tune you out. Okay? Now, I want to tell you, his family and his parents and his teachers are going to have trouble if that's his attitude. Do you and I want to listen to Jesus? Do you and I want to know what Jesus is saying and what he has said and what he wants to say to us? Listen to Jesus this morning, if you will. I had a lady that visited our church some time ago, and, and she commented that the stories were nice, but I, I didn't need my Bible. I want to share with you all something. I used 15 scriptures that morning. Now, maybe that's too many scriptures for people to comprehend. 15 scriptures, a lot of scriptures. Well, I'm going to go through about that many this morning. He said, well, you're running out of time. You better hurry up. No, I want you to listen to Jesus. You see, some of us hear the preaching, and I want you to also understand, this is just a, this is a pet peeve of mine. Jesus did not preach three-point expository sermons, folks, okay? He preached and taught and healed, study his life. That was his threefold ministry. And sometimes he was straightforward, and sometimes he used stories. Most of the time he used parables. And sometimes he 
stooped down and just scribbled in the dirt to get a message across. And then stood up and said, ye who are without sin, you know, let him be the one to cast the first stone. And he stoops down again. You know the story. And he writes in the dirt again. The scripture says, from the oldest to the youngest, they turned and went away. I don't know what he wrote in the dirt. I have an idea that he wrote the individual sins of every person standing around that group. And they saw their sin and they were convicted and they turned and walked away. Jesus was straightforward in his approach. I'm going to give you some examples of what the world says and what Jesus says. And I want you to see how they measure up. The world says if someone hurts you or harms you, you get even with them. You press charges, take them to court, sue the hell out of them, make them pay. Don't get mad, get even. That's what our world says. We're going to make them pay. And with social media, we just blast them out of the saddle. We just post it online and let everybody see it. Now, I want, to hear, I want you all to hear me. What you post online, once you post it, you cannot take it back. I had a... One of our military personnel in the early service said, you know, Brother Jerry, your sermon's like a bullet. When you go to the range and you shoot the bullet, you can't take that bullet back. When you go and you're in war and you shoot that bullet, you can't take that bullet back. When we say something on social media, hear me, because somebody's not listening. When you post something against your neighbor or about somebody or something that may even be true, you cannot take it back. Jesus uses an Old Testament quote out of Matthew 5, 38. He says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Talking about people offending each other. People that have hurt each other. People that have wronged each other. But I tell you, do not resist the evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you, and take your coat or your tunic, let them have your cloak, your bigger coat. Also, if someone forces you to go a mile, volunteer to go the extra mile, go two miles. That was in a day when Rome was occupying Judea and Palestine, Perea, the whole area. And it was not uncommon for an occupying army to force the people living there to carry their burdens, to carry their bags, to do whatever they wanted them to do. And Jesus says to those people, rather than you get mad and get angry and get frustrated because you're being abused and misused, you turn the other cheek. You go the extra mile. You show them that you can be kind even when they aren't. That's what he's saying, basically. The world says, hate your enemy and do everything you're in your power to destroy them, to hurt them, to put them out of business, to wipe them off the face of the earth. Jesus said, listen to him. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. I didn't say that, folks. Jesus did. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. If you love those who love you, what good is that? Even the tax collectors do that. And if you greet only your brothers or sisters or fellow believers, those that you know do not even the pagans, the people of the world do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. The world says it's okay to hold grudges, right? To seek ways to get even, to pay back, to do whatever we need to do to have that grudge settled. Listen to Him. I tell you, if you bring your offering 
to the church and remember that somebody or someone has something against you or you have something against them, then leave your offering and go to that person and make things right. Grudges have no place, folks, in the church, in the kingdom of God, among fellow believers, among our world. You know why? Because when you bear a grudge, when you hold hatred in, when you want to get back, eventually it will destroy you. It's robbing you from the joy of living every day when all you focus upon is the hurt that has occurred. Forgive and move on. Go try to make things right. That's not always possible. I know that. But you do your best to live at peace with everybody. That's what Paul says. The world says the poor people of our world, they're lazy. They don't work. They don't, ex- they don't do anything to help themselves. They expect those who, who do the work to give them handouts. Now listen carefully. I didn't say this. Jesus said it. He says when you do your acts of righteousness, when you do your good deeds, when you show your kindness, the world is not a stage so you can brag and promote yourselves in what you have done or are doing for those in need. That's my translation of that. Listen to him. He says, when you help someone, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And in our world of meism and selfies and self-importance, and we're always promoting ourselves, our desire to be noticed, then we need to be real careful how we treat people who are in need. Hear me. There is never a reason that Christian people should ever show indignity, disdain and cause other people who are having a hard time even though they may be guilty of where they are that got them there we're to show them grace and love and mercy one does not treat someone else with disrespect or indignity if we're followers of Jesus why because the golden rule do unto others as you would have him do unto you treat others the way you want to be treated Matthew 25, turn with me there. It's a good place to look because Jesus lays out some real straightforward answers here about how we're to treat people. And he's talking about in the end time separating sheep from the goats. Verse 34, then the king will come and say, those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance of the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you? Hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink. When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in and needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And then the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You see, the world says that when somebody's hungry, it's their own fault. The world says if they're thirsty, they ought to pay their water bill. The world says if someone's naked, maybe they should work hard or stay away from drugs, alcohol, gambling, wasteful spending. Then they'd have enough money to buy the clothes they need. That's what the world says. The world says when somebody's a stranger, you can't really trust them. If they're homeless, 
It's their own fault. Besides, they probably need a bath or have lice or some mental condition. That's what the world says. The world says if someone's sick, sometimes it's their own fault because they haven't taken care of themselves. And they all need to have their own health insurance. I'm not going to pay for it. That's what the world says. The world says if someone is in prison, it's their own fault. They shouldn't have broken the law. I want you all to notice Jesus does not address any of these reasons why these people were in their shape that they're in. He simply said, if somebody's hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. If they're naked, clothe them. If they're sick, go visit them, pray for them. If they're in prison, visit them. If they're a stranger and homeless, invite them in. Because even as you've done it unto one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it unto me. Now I want you to go on down and look at this passage because he has some real strong words here. Then he will say to those who are on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when we see you hungry and thirsty or a stranger and needing clothes or sick and in prison and did not help, he will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now, those of you that are visiting here, I seldom preach on hell and eternal damnation. I'm so happy I'm alive. I'm so happy I'm full of God's love. I'm so happy my life's filled with joy. I was humbled and awed last night by being given a Lifetime Achievement Award. When you get one of those, it means it's time for you to quit because you're about to die. So, you, you know, I, I, it's all I could do to choke back the tears because of a humbling experience. But I want to share with you. If you don't know Jesus, folks, there someday will be a judgment day. And when you don't know Jesus, you need to know that you're not going to be living with him. See, the world says it's okay. Everybody believes the same. We're all, even though we believe differently, the Buddhist, the Hindu, the Muslim, the Jew, everybody's going to the same place. That's not what Jesus says. John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me or through me. <laughs> the world says, you got to have all this stuff, clothes, cars, everything. You need it all. Y'all know, folks, we did not have storage facilities in our country until 1960. Now, I want y'all to stop and think about that. Now we've had them the last 50 years. They are a growth business. Clifton's got two or three of them. We're the only people on the face of the earth that store up all of our stuff in storage houses. And I'm sorry if some of y'all are in that business. I'm not trying to give you a hard time. It's just that we, we attach our self-worth with the amount of things we have. Okay, hear me. I didn't say this. Jesus said it. 
I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Matthew 6, 23. He also said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, in storage sheds. I don't have, I don't pay money for a storage shed. I just have a big barn, and it's full of junk. And my kids have already told me, Dad, we don't want to deal with your junk. When you die, it's gone. It'll go for 10 cents on the dollar, so you better start getting rid of it now. That's what they've already told me. They're helping me because every time they come and visit, they come back in and say, hey, that old chest of drawers out there that you, could I, have to, could I take that back with me? Hey, Dad, I need some stuff for a project. I noticed you got some of this out there in the shed. Could I, could I have that? And I said, most certainly. Y'all go right ahead. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? The world says, get all you can, sit on the lid and poison all the rest. Three-point sermon, get all you can. Second point, sit on the lid. Third point, poison all the rest. Isn't that what the world says? We got to have it. Let's get it. Don't let anybody have it. We got locks and gates. We got security lights. We got guns. We can arm ourselves. They come and try to get our stuff. We're going to shoot them, right? Is that not the way the world is? Jesus says, but you... Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. You got things backward, folks. We want all the stuff before we want Jesus. And I want to share something with you. I have, I'm the funeral preacher, you know. It's what Stephen called me last night. And there has been a hearse behind, I mean a U-Haul behind a hearse because Albright sent me the picture when it went around. But it was an old rock band, folks, okay? It was the Undertakers or something. You know, they're in a hearse and they're pulling a, pulling a U-Haul trailer with all their instruments in it. Over here across the street, nobody's taking anything with them when they leave. And whatever they've been storing up is going to be dispersed and gone. Now I'm going to get to the last point here, try to. And this is probably going to upset a few of you because some of you have been through this. Maybe not the last point. Oh, I've got a bunch of other stuff here. Sermon's got a lot in it this morning because I didn't want y'all to miss out on any scriptures. The world says when you make a promise, be sure you get it down in writing. Make sure it's signed and notarized and done in triplicate because people can't be trusted. Make sure you have some legal way to hold them accountable. Make them swear on it. Listen to him. But I say to you, when someone asks you something, I tell you, don't swear at all. Either by heaven because it's God's throne, or by earth because it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem because it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for neither can you make one hair white or black. Now that's the Bible words. We know that's not true. Because you can use clairol. And you can make your hair whatever color you want. Is that right? Yeah, well, Jesus is speaking to a group that didn't have Clairol, folks. Did y'all know that? 
when he gave these words. But let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Anything more than this leads to evil. Don't swear at all. Don't make promises. Just be people of your word. If you tell somebody you're going to do it, do it. If you tell them you're going to pick them up at a certain time, go and pick them up. If you tell somebody that you're going to mow a yard, you go mow the yard. If you tell somebody you'll take them to the doctor or do whatever, whatever you give your word to do, you do that. Jesus wants people, His followers, to be people of integrity, folks. world says if you're not happy in your marriage, do what? Get a divorce. It's okay to have an extramarital affair. Everyone else is doing it. Why not us? No one stays married to the same person. That's old school, Brother Jerry. The world says it's okay to live together and not be married. You can have sex with whoever you want, whomever you want, whenever you want. Nobody can tell you what to do. That's what the world says. Hear what Jesus says. Listen to him. Jesus says, hey, when you make a commitment, you should not divorce each other except for marital unfaithfulness. Even then, ask God to help you forgive and forget and move on. Why? Because none of us are perfect. All of us make mistakes. And Jesus gives a clause in the Bible for a way out so that nobody will have to suffer through a marriage that's a sham. See, folks, I know some people have been married a long time. And their marriage was dead years ago because Jesus was not Lord of their lives or Lord of their marriage. Sins of the flesh are serious. Listen to what he says. If your right hand offends you, what do you do? You chop it off. If your right eye offends you, you pluck it out, gouge it out. That's why if you look at the history of early missionary work of Christians going to countries of the third world that did not have, they took this verse literally. And you would go into villages of natives where their hands would be cut out and they would be one-eyed. Unfortunately, that's not what Jesus meant here. He's doing an overstatement, an overteaching, an overemphasis to say that sins of the flesh are serious. You need to not wink at them. You need to take them Seriously, when you have a relationship with another person sexually, you are opening yourself up to tremendous amount of heartache and pain. So be careful. That's what he's saying. You see, God sees marriage as permanent, but sometimes the union is so, the union is so violated so severely it's irreversibly shattered. And the Greek word used in the passage of Matthew 7.27 is translated marital unfaithfulness. The passage right above it, he talks about adultery and how that adultery leads to divorce. Well, in adultery, he pretty much zeroes in on men here. Hear me, men. He says, if you look at a woman with lust in your eye, you have already committed adultery with her. I didn't say that. Jesus did. Now, some people don't like that verse. Most men hate that verse. And in our day and time with women, folks, it applies in our day and time with women because women can lust the same as men. He affirmed the sacredness of marriage, but he allowed divorce to protect the non-offending partner and the marriage relationship from becoming a vulgar sham. And if you've been in a marriage relationship where your spouse has been unfaithful, 
forgive them, love them as Jesus did, and seek to try to make amends. The world says get all you can, make all you can, build up your estate, save it, do everything you can so that nobody can take it from you. Listen to him. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy and thieves can break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures on heaven, in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Is your treasure in a storage barn? Or is it in people? that you have communication with, that you love, that you share life with. What's more important, stuff or people? Do we love our things more than we love people? Do we take care of our things more than we take care of our family? Are we listening to Jesus? The world says, you better worry about tomorrow. We're in dire circumstances. Our world is in terrible. It's falling apart. Everything's bleak and grim. Listen to him. Jesus says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, Matthew 6, 34. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He also says later on in John's gospel, hey, I told you all these things that you might have peace in this world. Because you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. But guess what? I have overcome the world. In the next chapter, he says, in the 17th chapter, he says, I brought you my joy that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full and overflowing. I didn't say that, folks. Jesus said it. The world will say, you're ridiculous to be a Christian. It's, it's not the thing to do. You confess Jesus, it's just a sham. Who wants to be like those hypocrites down at the church? That's what the world says. Oh, I know so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. They've done this, this, and this, and this. Folks, we always can find somebody we can compare ourselves to, and the world will look at us because we mess up big time. But I want you to hear what Jesus says. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. And whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him or her before my Father in heaven, Matthew ten thirty two. Would you trust Jesus today? Would you listen to him? Would you let... Him know that you are sorry for your sins. Whatever you've done wrong, would you repent? Turn from your ways and turn to Jesus. Would you do that? It's real simple. You don't hear me preach sermons like this much because I'm a very affirming pastor. I'm a pastoral preacher. But folks, I will tell you straight out, there's going to come a day when you won't have that opportunity to make that choice. And the scripture is real clear. You'll either spend your life in eternity with the Lord or you'll spend your life in eternity away from the Lord. The choice is yours. Let's pray. Father, would you help us this morning as we come to a time of invitation to move by your spirit. Help us to listen. If you're leading someone to publicly trust you this morning, help them to make that decision. And Father, if everybody here already knows you, Lord, just help us to be your people. Help us to listen to you. Help us to follow your word and to be your people in our world, to do what you call us to do. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Our hymn of invitations, turn your eyes on Jesus. It's hymn number 320 in your hymnal. If you need it.